Blog Talk Radio. Sports Radio Show, hosted by Robbie D, Big Mike, and Vinny the Shark. And happy Super Bowl weekend, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Over the Top Sports Radio. Robbie D, Big Mike, Goon in the house with you. Uh, Vinny, a uh, big day for him with the job opportunity, so best of luck to him. He'll be back with us to break down the Super Bowl on Monday night, and he'll, of course, be all over our Twitter with his bets for you guys this weekend. Definitely keep tuned to that, because this is the biggest betting weekend in sports. Um, and you don't want to hear it from anybody better than the Shark. Mike and I will do our best today to give you our picks as well, but keep tuned to Over the Top Sport on Twitter for that um, throughout the, the weekend. Um, 90 minutes with you guys today. Got a great show on tap. We got Super Bowl preview, of course. We got our picks. We got some other prop bets that we want to talk about. We'll break down the game as well. We're talking Super Bowl champion Michael Bowley in just a couple of minutes here. He won the Super Bowl with the New York Giants. Also started his career in Atlanta, which is the site of this year's Super Bowl, Mike, so that should be a good uh, – a good spot for us, too, to talk about the Super Bowl this week. We got a couple of um, promotions, um, some giveaways. If you guys follow us on Twitter um, or on Facebook, you've probably seen it by now. Mike, um, look what you got here. You got a couple of things that everybody wants to win. Tell them about it. A couple of good items. So, right now, live, Saquon Barkley signed. He could win the Rookie of the Year tonight. He should win the Rookie of the Year tonight. Let me correct myself. All you have to do on Facebook is share the video, tag, uh, tag three friends, and you have a chance of winning Saquon Barkley. That's it. No math required. And then up on Twitter, Todd Gurley signed, um, playing tomorrow night, Rob, hopefully healthy. That's what they say, supposedly. Uh, all you have to do there, retweet the post, and give us your Super Bowl prediction. That's it. I mean, you can't make these two things any easier. Yep, and if you get that, I mean, these are some pretty valuable uh, pieces, and they're awesome. I mean, they're authentic. We got the certificate of, of authenticity with them as well. Um, we'll send it out to you. Um, listen, we've had these promotions all year long. Super Bowl is one of the fun ones. Um, some of you guys got some jerseys from DHgate. We thank DHgate once again for uh, teaming with us, and that will be happening more and more as we go along in the future. Uh, but with the Super Bowl this weekend, you guys are playing boxes. You guys might have some bets, whether legally or illegally. We don't know where you're watching or how you do it. Why not throw your hat in the ring for this too? So get on the Twitter, retweet it, throw us the score, win one of these two. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fun. I wish I could have them. I'm not eligible. But, um, yeah, I would take the Barkley over Gurley, just being uh, a Giant You know fan. what? Just being a Giant <laughs> fan, that's awesome. It's with his Penn State stuff. So even if you're a Giants fan, don't worry. It's Saquon wearing his Penn State uniform playing in college last year, which, by the way, he had one of the great running back careers for a college athlete. So um, awesome for you guys to win. And uh, it should be fun. And the Super Bowl should be fun again tomorrow, too, Mike. And like I said, we'll talk about it with Michael Bully hopefully in a couple of minutes here on Over the Top Sports Radio, but we also want to talk about it with you guys. So we've got 90 minutes to talk about it at 646-716-5403. Give us a call. When we get uh, going, once we're done with bowling, we want to hear your predictions. We want to hear why you think that your team is going to win. Or are you just picking the Rams? Because let's be honest, you're a Patriots hater and you're sick of them. 
I think there's a lot of people out there, Rob. And listen, I understand it. I, I don't like it because I do support the Patriots, but I understand it. I hate the Yankees. It's an evil empire type atmosphere. So I understand people's hate for the Patriots and how many rings do they have? How many Super Bowls they've been in? This is th- uh, the third consecutive year of seeing the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So I get that. I get people's want for different teams. So I'm, I'm on board with that. But I have bad news for you. The Patriots are in another one. They're going to win another one. This is still the continuation of a dynasty. And and tough crap. I guess look forward to Maroon 5 at halftime. And that's one of the things, though, that makes it interesting is the hate makes it more fun. The people are out there. And I don't hate the Patriots um, at all. I have no hate for them. I have no jealousy of them. Um, but that makes for the better storyline. It's always the team. Can that team rise up and beat the big bad Pats? Mm-hmm. Can the team, you know, can the Diamondbacks beat the Yankee dynasty in 2001? Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Marlins in 2003 when the Yankees were still there. Uh, stuff, could the Edmonton Oilers come back and beat the Islanders? Could somebody beat the Jordan Chicago Bulls? Right. So those are the storylines in sports that while in the moment you might be sick of that team or that dynasty – um, you end up respecting them in the end. And when it's all said and done, all you guys are going to tell your kids and your grandkids, hey, I grew up watching the Patriots, man. They just couldn't be beat. They, and, and it's going to be one of those things that you're going to revere them and respect them and, and really appreciate them more and more after the years go on. So right now in the moment, I understand the hate. I'm telling you right now, this is a team and a dynasty that you will talk about with kids and grandchildren for the rest of your life. I agree with you. It's something, it's something crazy. It's something special, Rob. It's something that, uh, you know, you could think um, – the Bills made, you know, the Super Bowl runs there. And, uh, you know, there was other teams along the way consistently. But we haven't seen anything like this in sports where it's consistent. It's a consistent 11-win season. It's a consistent through the playoffs. It's consistent into the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what you're seeing with the Patriots. And we'll get into it later on after we talk to Michael Boley. But it's just how long can this run? Are we seeing the last of it tomorrow? We'll find out. We'll see what Michael Boyd thinks. And, you know, one of the great parts about it is if your team is able to beat the Patriots, and that's like the little extra feather in your cap. Winning the Super Bowl is one thing. Knocking off the Patriots dynasty is another. And uh, Michael Boley joins us right now, and his team was able to do that um, in 2011. Of course, he joined a Giants team that had already beaten the Patriots one time a couple of years prior. So, uh, Michael, thank you for joining Rob and Mike here on Over the Top Sports Radio. Uh, no problem. Appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, um, let's just start there. In 2009, you come to the Giants. Uh, a couple years removed from um, the big upset of um, the 18-0 Patriots. You joined that team. You joined that, uh, you know, most of the guys were still intact. You joined that defense that really got to Tom Brady. And then in 2011, Super Bowl 46, um, what um, was your game plan kind of to duplicate getting to Brady? Obviously, you know, the defense is so heralded for how much you guys did it. What was your game plan like, and how were you able to execute that? Um, and be able to not do it once now, but twice against the Patriots? Well, for us, uh, I mean, the game plan was it was pretty simple. You know, kind of, you know, stay within the confines of the defense and don't, you know, don't beat ourselves. You know, we kind of knew Brady. You know, he would get little stuff here and there, but pretty much in the back end, it was just play, play good defense long, you know, good coverage long enough that, you know, that amazing front that we had could just get pressure. And they did a good job of that. And, and yeah, was there a point in that game where, I mean, you hadn't been there a couple of years before where you started feeling like, you know, this is working. This is really, um, you know, you could just feel that momentum. Like they're not going to be able to do what that Brady offense does. And it started to give you guys that extra confidence and extra belief that you guys really are able to shut down this, you know, great offense, this great Brady offense. Well, going into that game, we had a lot of confidence. Uh, 
I mean, for one, uh, Gronkowski would hurt. You know, he's coming, he's coming up at uh, that high ankle sprain, I believe. And so, kind of going into the game, I mean, we prepared for him. So, but in the back of our mind, we weren't thinking that he was going to be a major factor. But you know, going into the game plan, it was you know we. It, for in, in my eyes, they didn't do a lot of the things that we thought they would do, and so it was it kind of kind of threw things off a little bit. Like, well, okay, they, they kind of they kind of changed their offense a little bit, you know, hoping that you know we would do something different, <laughs> but we didn't. So before the Super Bowl, take me back 2009. You're a free agent. Why the New York Giants? And listen, you would have got the money anywhere. You were coming off good seasons in Atlanta. What attracted you to New York? Uh, man, tradition. You know, they. You know, New York's had a long-standing you know tradition with good good linebackers dating back to you know uh, Carson Taylor. You know, Banks. You know, just those guys, and then you know, with them having you know coming off the success that they that they had you know previously had, like you said, with you know beating the Patriots before, and then having those good seasons leading up you know to me getting there. And also uh, being able to play a lot, play alongside Antonio Pierce, you know, I felt like that was a, a great fit for me. Yeah, and and you and Antonio Pierce, I mean Pierce, you know, obviously um, big part of that Super Bowl run too. Um, just take me through that final couple minutes. You know, Ahmad Bradshaw goes into the end zone, maybe the most awkward game-winning touchdown you'll ever see happens in the Super Bowl. Um, what's going on in your mind on that sideline, knowing that now it's going to come down to the defense to uh, make one last stop on Brady to be world champions? And then when you see that ball fall down, I think it was Antrell Roll knocked it down in the end zone. Um, what goes through your mind in that last couple of minutes, and then when you see that ball hit the turf? You know, as a as a defensive guy, you know, that's for us, you know, that, that's what we want. You know, we want, you know, we for us, you know, we believe that we could stand up to any task that was thrown at us. So, you know, we looked at that as a challenge, you know. Brady, you know, he still had over a minute, you know, with the ball in his hand. And, you know, we – it was kind of like, all right, guys, this is, this is what we've been, you know, looking forward to, so let's go out here and make a play. But um, – Man, when that ball went up, and you know, just to see it hit the ground, like the feeling that that whole feeling was just, you know, surreal. You know, been in the, at that point, I'd been in the league. That was like my seventh year, and I think I'd been to the playoffs. That was only like my second time actually being in the playoffs. And so, you know, to be there and win it, it was man. I, words can't even describe the feeling I was having then. Now, did any of your teammates uh, talk to you about what it was like to go through the Canyon of Heroes for a parade in New York City? Winning in New York's pretty special. Um, you know, the Giants had just done it a couple years ago. Your teammates talk about it um, beforehand, and then did it live oh, yeah, up to they, the hype for you um, once you got to do oh, it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just talking to some of the guys, they're like, you know, you, know, you, you think it's going to be one thing, and they tell you, like, you know what, just wait. Just wait. You see it. It's it's going to be crazy. Like, they're like, man, like, there's going to be people hanging out of buildings, you know, screaming. And then it's, you know, you get out there and you actually see, you're like, well, like, this is not what I was expecting. This is a whole lot more. <laughs> you got to ask you about Tom Coughlin because when he and the Giants parted ways, you put up a, a quite a nice message on your Instagram about Tom Coughlin. And I'll even read it if you don't mind. It's quote, it has been an honor and privilege to serve as the head. Oh, this is his quote. And then at the bottom, you wrote, um, 
He's a great coach that demanded excellence. He pushed everyone in the building to be better. He helped me become a better player during my time with the Giants and helped me to earn a Super Bowl ring, and he's an even better man off the field. So can you just speak to Tom Coughlin for a few minutes, Michael? Man, a heck of a coach. You know, he's – you know, some people don't like his methods because he is hard-nosed. You know, we – we we live in an age where there's a lot of players coaches, and so they cater to the player. Coach Coughlin was it was it was his way, you know. He didn't care if you were a starter, you were a special teams guy. He demanded everything, the same thing from everybody. And it was you know it's, it's kind of one of those things that you know as a professional, especially as a veteran, as you get later in your career. You, you you have a certain respect for those kind of things because it's like all right like this is what I need I still need someone to hold me accountable and and it was it was it was just you know it's one of those things that you know not not all franchises end up having a coach that is like that and who can do it as you know as long as he did and uh, even and as far as off the field amazing just amazing person. You know, I've, I've been down to Jacksonville to his golf, you know, to his golf tournaments and attended his events. Um, just, you know, the, the work that he does, uh, it's it's hands down, it's great. I have to ask you about uh, Eli Manning. And uh, I've had, uh, we've been very privileged to have, uh, you know, other former Giants on. And um, I asked them all the same question, so I have to ask you this question as well. You played with Eli Manning for four years. Do you think he gets enough credit around the NFL, uh, you know, that credit he deserves, two-time Super Bowl winner, two-time MVP winner of the Super Bowl? Do you think he gets enough credit? I don't think so. I, th- I think people still tend to overlook him, you know, because, he's, you know, Eli's not a big talker. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not a flashy guy, you know, and so he kind of goes under the radar, like – you know, you know. Obviously, you know. Pe- people talk about his brother. You know, Peyton's more outspoken. But with Eli, I mean, like you said, he has two Super Bowl wins, <laughs> and not a lot of quarterbacks can say that. And people, you know, still tend to overlook him. And you know, just with all the controversy that happened with him the past couple of years, you know, it's unfortunate because you know, I mean, he still got it. You know, he's not. It's not like he's. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say it's all on him. As far as like how the team has been playing, you know, as far as you know how how the offense is flowing over there, but you know it's it's kind of one of those things that you know he definitely gets he don't he don't get enough credit for the work that he's that he's done. I mean, and then on top, this guy never gets hurt. He's he's always there. He's always on the field. Yeah, he started every single game of your Giants career, and he started every game except for that one last year with um you know the Ben McAdoo and Geno Smith mess and. And, you know, just last year, you know, the Giants, you, you talked about the tradition with the Giants and their legacy, and, and they're one of the most prestigious organizations. And really the last couple of years, you know, it's kind of been put to the test for the first time. Um, just seems like there's been a little bit more drama than usual, some Odell Beckham stuff, the, obviously the Eli Manning drama last year. Just from the outside looking in, um, is it hard to see the Giants going through one of these rough patches, um, not just on the field, but even off the field, just kind of taking a little bit of a hit for everything that the Giants usually are, um, you know, they stand for and the tradition of excellence that they have? Yeah, it's tough. You know, you you know, you, you hate to see, you know, obviously you don't, you know, you don't like the team to, to lose. And, you know, losing kind of is part of the game. But the off-the-field stuff, you know, sometimes you, know, you feel like that's stuff that, you know, it can be handled 
differently, but at the same time, as a player, as a competitor, you know, I do understand part of it. Like, you know, the, the stuff with, you know, the stuff with Odell, I get, you know, he's a tremendous competitor. I didn't get a chance to play with him. Had a chance to train with him out in Arizona uh, toward the end of my career when I was still trying to play. Uh, so, you know, the guy's very passionate, and that's, you can't you can't knock that. Like, if you, you know, you go out and you have 53 guys on your team with that kind of passion, like, it's, you know, it's the possibilities are limitless. So, before we get to your predictions for tomorrow night at the Super Bowl, I have to ask you about Michael Vick. You played with Michael Vick. I felt like I was watching a video game at times. As somebody that was on the sideline, did you feel the same watching Michael Vick do some of the things he did out in Atlanta? Oh, definitely. Um, to tremendous athlete. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a better athlete at that quarterback position, period. Um, I've, you know, I had a... I had the opportunity that my senior year of college, that my roommate from my junior year got drafted by Atlanta the year before I did. So I was able to come out, came up to Atlanta numerous times, went to games, and so I was actually able to see him in person quite a few times, you know, before I even I actually got here. Then actually to be on the field with him, man, it was phenomenal. Speaking of phenomenal players, who you, know, you play with a lot of great teammates. I know you miss Michael Strahan in New York, but Tony Gonzalez, a couple of the guys with the Giants, whether it be Eli, who is the greatest player you ever uh, strapped on the pads as a teammate of? Uh, I'd have to say Antonio Pierce. He was, for me, he taught me a different way to play the linebacker position. You know, just as far as my mentality going into the game, the way he called the game, the way he, you know, constructed, you know, conducted the defense, you know, from that Mike linebacker position, you know, he definitely taught me a lot in that, you know, he got he got hurt toward the end of my first year in New York. But even in just that quick little time, you know, I learned so much about just a different way to play the position. So that brings us into tomorrow night, Michael. And listen, you know the Patriots well. You talked about that, uh, you know, the beginning of the interview with just you know your game plan and uh, whatever. What do you? What's your take tomorrow? Who wins? Um, what do the Rams do to to slow down that Patriots offense that has been terrific so far in the playoffs? Uh, get pressure on the quarterback. You know, for uh, if if you. You know, for anybody who, you know, if you paid attention to the Patriots' loss to the Super Bowl, both to the Giants and the one against Philly, they did, they went in blitz, and they got pressure with four guys and played coverage, and it worked. If if the Rams can come out and, you know, with that, with that good front they got, you know, with Donald and Sue and Fowler, if those guys can actually get pressure on Brady with just rushing four guys, make him uncomfortable, I think they'll have a pretty good day. So what's your prediction tomorrow? Uh, Super Bowl, can the Rams get it done? Can they get to Brady? Can they knock him off? Can they follow in your footsteps? And then it, it makes me sick to say it, but the Eagles um, – footsteps from last year too um and, and pull off the upset and, and uh go ahead and beat the patriots uh i think they can you know it's um 
just from what just from seeing you know how they played you know throughout these playoffs and throughout the regular season, I think the Rams' defense can actually step up to the challenge. And uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say they're going to shut Brady out, but you know, at least you know keep them to a, enough points that you know the Rams' offense will you know put up more points than they do. So I'm taking the Rams. Oh, that's trust me. Uh, that would make it a lot of fun and. Uh, you know, you guys kind of set the blueprint a couple of years ago. They did it uh, a couple of years before you got there with the Strahan gang, and then you and, uh, you know, your team did it in 2011. And then, uh, you know, teams were trying to follow that for years, and it was finally done last year by the Eagles. So, um, you know, thank you for joining us. You know, one of, one of the things that uh, I, I thought was so impressive about you guys is, you you know, talk about the Eagles. A year before you went to the Super Bowl was that game where Deshaun Jackson came back and broke your hearts. It might have been the worst loss oh, yeah. that, as a fan, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've suffered as a Giants fan. That had to hurt. But to be able to the next year kind of erase those memories by winning a Super Bowl, um, you know, that's a testament to you guys, too, and Tom Coughlin and the way that you guys did because you guys were headed to the playoffs if that doesn't happen. And uh, you guys oh, yeah. ended up not sure. making it with a 10-win team, and then you won the Super Bowl. So, you know, that was a pretty good comeback for you guys. I appreciate it. So thank you so much for that. And we appreciate you bringing us another championship. And we appreciate today giving us a couple minutes. So hope you enjoy the Super Bowl and uh, your day of Atlanta. And I uh, hope to catch up with you. Man. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Michael Bowley, former uh, Atlanta Falcon and New York Giant linebacker, won the Super Bowl in 2011, Super Bowl 46. Uh, it's always weird to say a Super Bowl and talk about the year uh, instead of the number of the Super Bowl. But it was seven years ago already that, um, the Giants won that Super Bowl, and you know, for Giants fans, it feels like yesterday. And and the one constant is you know Tom Brady and Belichick, and here they are with like that same core of guys, that same group of guys, once again for like, I think the fifth time since then competing for the Super Bowl, which is just insane. And that, you're right, you hit it right on the head, Rob. We're talking about something that happened seven years ago, and we're still talking now tomorrow, Belichick and Brady. So to me, it's just it's it's crazy. And you know, we'll get into the whole is it over or whatever, but. It's just mind-boggling that we're still every Super Bowl we're talking Brady Belichick, and it's the same thing during the regular season, Rob. It's it's this oh the Patriots, you know you have get off to a slow start and it's oh it's done it's done it's done. I, there was times this season, that, you know, offensively I said this is a different offense. Defensively, last, I said, this even defense last sucks, year, right? Last year they got to the worst start defensively ever. Uh, you remember the Kansas City game and Hunt and how that season yes. started? Yep. Halfway through, we're doing shows talking about how terrible they are, right? And they turned it up, and guess what? That's how he got the Lions job, Patricia, because, you know, he helped turn around. But guess what, Mike? It's not Patricia. It's not the defensive coordinator. It's Belichick, the defensive genius. And right. you've seen the, what was it, a 30 for 30 or E60, yeah. whatever it was. It's incredible. If, if, genius. Yeah, if you have time before the Super Bowl uh, today or tomorrow, ESPN, I you usually can't stand them, Rob, with the LeBron love. But they did a 30 for 30 with Belichick and, and um, Bill Parcells, and it was absolutely amazing. It just shows you the defensive mind that Belichick has, and it goes back to, you know, giant days. It's incredible of how they would change up a game plan before, uh, you know, from the the champ, the playoffs uh, wildcard weekend into the championship weekend and just play man or to zone and take something completely out. It's unbelievable. And he's been doing this for years. He's in, he did it in Cleveland too. He had success in Cleveland, you know, sure. He brought over some former giants, but the brain that he has to eliminate plays, it's unbelievable. And you brought up Matt Patricia. So I have to bring this up, Rob. The Rams, you know, they played the Lions this week, uh, this season. It was December 2nd, uh, out in Detroit, 30-16 final. If you look at that game, you're like, 30-16, nothing special about that. It was 13-3 to at half. It was 16-13 after three. 
It was the Rams did not look the same. Matt Patricia laid out a blueprint of how to how to stop this team. He said, "Fine, Gurley can beat me running. Uh, you know, if he's able to get to the sidelines, fine. I'm going to take away any runs up the middle, and I'm going to take away Jared Goff in that play action game." And he had success for it. Jared Goff was 17 of 33. Uh, Stafford fumbled in the fourth, which made the score bigger than what it should have been. But um, they really, at the time, the Rams were 10 and one. Matt Patricia came up with a blueprint. And where do you think Patricia would have learned that from, Rob? It's Belichick. Yeah. Of course it's Belichick. I truly think Belichick has a plan. He saw what Patricia did. He's going to find that plan, you know, look at it and fine-tune it. And I think the Patriots win tomorrow. I really do. And William Stewart has a plan on our Facebook. He said, first he said he appreciates the show and the Rams win by three. Uh, he says that their game plan is going to be to keep Brady off the field and run the ball all game clock management. Now, they do have the personnel to do that. They do have the ability to do that. Um, but I haven't seen the same Todd Gurley since that week against Detroit. I agree. Um, whether it's as a fantasy owner, obviously that's why I paid a little bit more attention to him because, let's face it, he was the best player, you know, outside of maybe Mahomes or, or you know, I, I don't know who else it would have been. in the, I guess it's Mahomes was the only guy that might have been better than him in the regular season. Agreed. But once the fantasy playoffs came, he was he was a big letdown, and a lot of guys that counted on Todd Gurley didn't win their championships because he sucked. Now, injuries well, played a part right, of that, of course, but have, has he gotten over the injury? Well, they keep telling you yes, and then you don't see him on the field that much in the playoffs. You thought, you know, they had the bye. Well, he'd come out of the bye. He didn't play week 17. He didn't play the first round of the playoffs, so they had the bye. Well, in their first playoff game, he'd be a big part. No, C.J. Anderson was a huge part of that game. Um, Gurley got touches, but not, you know, the 25-touch right. Gurley that you're used to seeing with all the catches and, and all the big runs in the fourth quarter, so – um, if they want to do what Will on, on Facebook is saying, that's great, but you're going to need C.J. Anderson, and you're going to need a healthy Todd Gurley. He's going to have to be the lead guy. C.J. is going to have to be the guy that gives him the blow. He's going to have to be the guy that, you know, gets the series, you know, once and a half, basically, and let Gurley get 25 to 30 touches. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. But guess what? That's what the Cowboys thought they could do to the Rams um, with Ezekiel Elliott, and it ended up not having to work. The other part about that is Goff's going to have to make some throws. Goff's going to have to make throws in a game against Tom Brady that I'm not sure he's ready to make. I completely agree with you. And, uh, listen, you know I like my stats, especially heading into tomorrow. Uh, two of the three highest pressure rate games this season uh, for the New England Patriots, they were the playoffs, Rob. So the whole season, they've really just played more of a zone D. They've given up yards. And, and that's typical Patriots. We're going to give up yards. We're going to stop you when you get to the red zone. We're going to limit you to a field goal. We're going to march down the field and score a touchdown. Well, they've been playing it differently. They've been putting a ton of pressure on Rivers has seen 45, uh, saw 45% of uh, the plays there were high pressure, two sacks. 44% on Mahomes, four sacks. So they're starting to get pressure. Goff this season, when he faces pressure, his passer rating, 59.8. When he has a clean pocket, it's 117.1. It's going to be like Michael Bowley just said. It's going to be pressure. Pressure on Brady, pressure on Goff. And isn't that when it really changed? You brought up that San Diego game. Isn't that when... You know, everybody that was down on the Patriots, I picked against the Patriots, and I, I didn't want to pick against. I actually think I said that the Patriots are going to win, but I said I really want to pick the Chargers, but I can't. Mm. But I think I, I think I was really in on the Chargers, and I thought this isn't the same page. It's only, you ever see, like, in wrestling where they talk about playing possum? It's almost like the Patriots played possum this year. They got through the crappy AFC East. Right. They did enough to make sure they get the bye. They went 8-0 at home. And then here they go. They win the home game against the Chargers, and that's what really turned it around. They dominated the hell out of the Chargers, exactly the way you just said. And that's like, okay, well, you know, we knew that at home, okay, we, we didn't give them enough credit, but they don't win at home, but they're a 500-road team. Well, what did they do? They went toe-to-toe -to -toe 
with the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs and won a road game um, in a game that Pat Mahomes put up, like, what, 20 points in the mm-hmm. last 10 minutes of the yeah. game, 21 points, and they still found they a way to They shut out in half. That, that, uh, Pat's D shut the Kansas City out for the first half in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, and then they won the game. And they, so here they are. Now they get to play in a climate-controlled environment inside of a dome, which I think helps both teams. I really do because it plays to both teams' strengths, especially the, the Rams, who is used to playing in uh, Los Angeles. They play in right. 75 degrees every day, sunny, palm trees. It's not too hot. It's not cold at all, no wind. It's like perfect weather. It's like dome weather. Um, but then, it's you know, it's Brady indoors. And Brady indoors doesn't have to deal with anything else. And, and it's Brady on the big stage, Rob. It's Brady in the Super Bowl. It's Brady on the big stage. I mean, this is even bigger than prime time. And you he's know? playing the underdog this year. Right. They're playing it pretty well. Listen, I, Vinny and I talked about it on Saturday. I have, uh, I have no – on Monday, rather. I have no issue with it. If they need that to fire them up a little bit, man, who gives a oh, crap? Oh, yeah. No, there, there shouldn't be an issue you with it the at Eagles all. with the dog masks, But right? guess what? They're, wrong. The they're not wrong. The People run. have been sleeping on the Patriots right. this year they because are. they look different. Um, and, and here they are. And, and it was going to be the changing of the guard when uh, – you know, when it was Mahomes versus Brady, it was going to be passing of the torch. And, and Brady and Belichick just wouldn't let that happen. I don't care that they won the coin toss. They came down the field and scored. Right. They were trailing in the final three minutes of that game twice. Mm-hmm. And they came back and forced overtime before winning that coin toss. So, you know, Kansas City had their chances to win the game. Um, but Kansas City defense is not as good as the Rams defense. And that's where I think that the Rams have a chance. They do have an Aaron Donald to get to the quarterback. They do have a Dominican Sue to stop Sony Michelle. Um, in that run game because, you know what, Sony Michelle has been a very, very underrated part of what's changed this team and the dynamic of this team because they don't throw the ball the way that they used to do. They don't have a real – the Gronk the way that they used to have. I know that Michael Bowley talked about how the Giants had to prepare for an injured Gronk. The Rams are sitting here preparing for a Gronk that's pretty much a non-factor. Now they have to prepare for a run game, and they do have the pieces at least, personnel to do it. Can they come up with a game plan? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. Listen, the Rams were a league worst uh, during the season at stopping the run. They gave up 5.1 yards per play, which is just atrocious. You mentioned the playoffs, Rob. It's a different atmosphere. Maybe it's guys like, you know, Sue, uh, you know, regular season. Hey, we'll just get there, and then I'll start playing. Because they've limited Zeke Ingram Kamara to 93 yards on 37 carries, which is just phenomenal when you actually think it's of it. two yards to carry. Yeah, and then you mentioned, too, it's more of a, it's a different approach and with the Patriots now. It's more run-heavy, and, and that's true. But it's the same thing with the Rams. The Rams with the run heavy, too. Goff and Brady have combined for three passing touchdowns this postseason. Three passing touchdowns this postseason. It's unbelievable the amount of points they've scored, the success they've had. And it's really the running game, you know, finding pay dirt, finding the end zone. It's just it's been unbelievable. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Notoriously, both teams are not very good against the run. So you would have to think, like you mentioned, Gurley's health will be a factor. C.J. Anderson. And, uh, and the Patriots running backs, for that matter. Well, no team, you know, you said both teams are bad against the run, and both teams are great running teams. Right. So that's like, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, you know, if you have an over in the game because it might take some more time to score. But uh, they're, they're going to be able to move the ball. I mean, I think this is going to be one of those Super Bowls um, where I don't think that you're going to see it start very uh, slow and last. Maybe the first couple drives feeling each other out. But I think once they start to get into the groove of this game, mid-first quarter, late-first quarter, you're going to start to see some points on the board. I agree with you. And you mentioned Gronk and how he's a shell of himself, and I completely agree with that. That's not even up for discussion. The Rams, overall this season, were pretty good against the tight end. However, they gave up monster games to three tight ends in particular. Kelsey, 10 catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Cook, 9, 180. And Kittle, 14, 247, and two. So they really... 
Um, they were good overall. And when you look at the season as a whole against the tight end, Rob, but there were games where they were completely exposed by the tight end. And you saw Grock last week had what 11 targets. He, he started to come back into play a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's the game plan there? Hey, are we going to, you know, Gronk is healthy. Gronk has just been used as a blocker more. Are we going to try? And he's been a good blocker. Oh, phenomenal. He's been a very good blocker. Absolutely phenomenal. So, again, something to take from there. You mentioned how you think you're going to see points. Maybe not right away, but you will. I agree with that. However, the Patriots in the first quarter in Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick, Rob, a combined three points ever in the first quarter. Zero touchdowns. Super Bowl 36 against the Rams, nothing. 38 Panthers, nothing. 39 Eagles, nothing. Giants in 42 and 46, nothing. Seattle 49, nothing. Falcons 51, nothing. And then the Eagles in 52, three points. A Gostowski field goal. So it just goes to show you, man, that listen, that they pick it up in the second half. I mean, obviously, right? Dumb comment. But they start slow in the first quarter of Super Bowls. Maybe just getting a feel, whatever. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I agree with you. I think we see points. I don't know if we hit the over under at 40, uh, 56. It's dropped now a little bit, but we see points. Yeah, um, and that's, you know, that's just such a crazy stat. Uh, and I heard it earlier this week, excuse me, they have zero touchdowns. I didn't know that they had three combined points. Yeah. That's even crazier than the zero touchdown part. So, um, you know, that you know that plays into a lot of things. It's going to play into all your Super Bowl boxes. You know, a lot of times you get zero, you get upset. Well, you know, if you've had zero with the Patriots oh, eight times after the first quarter, there's a you know, pretty good chance you might have won that first quarter, depending right. on what your other number was. But you got one of those two numbers. Um, it plays into prop bets because, you know what, you bet on the first quarter, you bet on the first half. You bet on, you know, all that uh, stuff, and we'll get into prop bets in a few minutes. Um, but it plays into all that. And it plays into, you know, the Rams and getting some confidence. If that defense can get on a roll and keep it, you know, some of these other teams couldn't keep the roll. Right. The Giants were able to do it. The Eagles last year were able to do it. Every other team let Brady get into that groove, let Belichick make his halftime adjustments. And by the end of the game, they're sitting there watching them hold up another Lombardi trophy. And it's, just, it's interesting to see, too, because – they uh, first play, first drive rather against the Chargers touchdown. First drive against uh, against the Chiefs touchdown. So uh, both games so far in the playoffs, they've marched down the field that first drive. Will we see it, or is it going to be more of the Super Bowl, you know, hesitation, feel out, uh, conservative with the Patriots? Yeah, and you, know, and you know what? Nobody knows better than Belichick, and I'm sure he's got his tried and true formula with that. Uh, this Rams team, if you look at them on paper, if you want to choose a team in Madden that has the most guys that look awesome and have the great ratings. It's the Rams, but the big X factor, 33-year-old head coach coaching in his first Super Bowl against the great Bill Belichick, who's been, I think the, the astonishing number was that he's been a part of or coached in over 20% of Super Bowls ever played. Which is nuts. Because you have to take into account when he was, you know, with the Giants. Right. So, I mean, that that's pretty, you know, I think it's 22%, which it might sound low, but think about that. Of every Super Bowl oh, ever played, he's been a coach in it. And current line as of 11 o'clock here over the top sports, it is Patriots minus two and a half with the more money on that money line. They're minus 140. So to me, and listen, Vinny's not here, but why would you pay minus 115 to give the two and a half when you take a money line at minus 140? I know I took a money line. Goon has a money line. And the over under is 56 and a half. And real quick, as we hit 11.05, go over the promotion one more time on Facebook live currently right now. Saquon Barkley just saw, uh, share the live video. Tag three people, three of your friends, three – I don't care who they are. Tag three people. Tag and you're, uh Yeah, tag Saquon, and you're eligible at the uh, Saquon Barkley signed photo row. And you're going to get it on a day that he probably wins the rookie of the year, the offensive rookie of the year for the NFL. He already won the Pepsi rookie of the year 
which is uh, voted on by fans. Mm-hmm. So tonight is the real rookie of the year that we think that he'll get. It'll be him or Baker Mayfield, you'll think. So and I have, I have and I, and I, this isn't a giant, uh, you know, homer here. I think it should be Saquon. I really do. Well, he put up over 2,000 yards. He had an historic season. He played every game. Don't forget Baker Mayfield didn't play the first couple of weeks until he came in and uh, was able to beat the Jets in the second half of that game when uh, he came in for Tyrod Taylor, not Tyrod anymore. Um, but I, not, I don't want to take anything away from Baker Mayfield either. But they, you know what? These are the number one and number two picks in last year's NFL draft, and they were the two best rookies in in the NFL. So, you know, for one year, the Browns and Giants so far got it right. I don't think that, uh, you know, Sam Donald or Allen or Rose are going to get any of these votes right now. No. So, and listen, um, Baker Mayfield, the top seven quarterback in fantasy next year. And don't you forget. take that to the bank. Uh, and fantasy? Fantasy, I think he, top seven. I, take I, it to the bank. I can't see how he wouldn't be. He's going to keep getting more uh, – you know, experience. He's got New the playmakers coach, yes. there. And he's the got coach. a coach that yes. he's the kitchen that he's very, uh, you know, close with, and that he basically got hired. Let's right. be honest. This was the Baker Mayfield hired already. Yep. And uh, you know, the team that's starting to win, so they're going to get some more confidence. And you didn't even see Chubb till the second half of this year, and then he was great. So they're going to have him as a great weapon as well to open up some stuff for Baker. Baker, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to see what happens with them in free agency. We saw last year. You know, not to get on a big Browns kick, but we saw what their new general manager was willing to do. Uh, he owned free agency last yeah. year. They made every big move you could possibly make, and then they went out and got better in the draft. So, um, Baker Mayfield, yeah, and so should Saquon with a year under his belt. Hopefully a better offensive line. The Giants' offensive line certainly got better in the second half, and even when they got better, they were still not even the top, you know, one of the top 20 uh, offensive lines in football. They were just serviceable, mm-hmm. and he was still able to put up a 2,000-yard all-purpose season. So, um, good things ahead for those guys. Bigger things ahead for the Rams and the and the um, Patriots. Um, this line has stayed at two and a half to maybe three all week long. It's finally went up to three, and a lot of the sharps were saying you got to wait for it to get up to three. Yep. Because these Patriot wins in the Super Bowl and these Patriot games, every single one of them is a three point game at mm-hmm. last. Yeah, and I think you'll see it hit three again. As I just said, it's minus two and a half at minus two fifteen. So at uh, one fifteen, excuse me. So it will eventually get up to three, and that's when I'm sure everyone will hammer it. Rob, I have a bunch of just random Super Bowl facts here. So before we get into, you know, picks or whatever, let's read these off and uh, stop me at any of them because some are just absolutely ridiculous. Like the first one, Goff was in second grade when Brady won his first Super Bowl. Does that mean anything to you or no? Um, I think those are like the great things because if Goff was in second grade, uh, he grew up, watch, you know, watching and maybe idolizing the way that Tom Brady was. So I think that's hilarious. I've told you, and I've said it on the show, the Patriots have given up zero sacks so far in the playoffs. Any guess on what the Rams have given up? Um, I mean, it's either going to be like 13 or it's going to be zero. Um, I'm going to say they also have given up zero sacks. One. So okay. it just shows you how evenly matched they are. Uh, before you just – AJ, we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. AJ has a fantasy question for you, Mike, about sure. football going forward. When we get through this segment, AJ, we'll get to that question. 38 New England players have played in the Super Bowl. Rams have four. Mean anything to you? Experience, it means everything to you. It's not you. just that. It's also the coaching experience. I'm sorry, but McVay, who's a great coach, and every I would take McVay on the Giants. I would give up my first-round draft pick this year for McVay, and the Giants are picking top six. However, going forward, that's great. Here, this is where Belichick is such a master. It means a lot to me. I agree with you. That is probably one of the bigger stats that I'll tell you. Teams wearing white jerseys have won 12 out of the last 13, Rob. The Patriots will be wearing white. Does white is right. Anything? I mean, that's uh, the stats don't lie, right? Twelve of the last thirteen teams wearing white have won. Pats will be wearing white. Giants won both. Um, 
this is just a, a random but weird stat, but it shows you how evenly these two teams have been matched the whole season. Pats Rams were the only two teams to block multiple punts this season. Well, the Rams fake more punts than anybody too, so you got to watch out for that Hecker fake punt because he's very good at it. Uh, quarterbacks who hold the ball for more than 2.8 seconds on average against the Patriots were 0-10 this season. Goff holds the ball on average 2.96. Mean anything to you or no? That's getting really deep. <laughs> I, I have zero and ten against uh, you know. Yeah. I no, mean, it's just deep. It's, it's, it's that, that tenth of a second is big, and and that shows you why an offensive line is so damn important in the NFL. Brady seems to always have that time. Um, Eli Manning, I guarantee you, didn't get that much of a time because uh, one second later he's getting hit, especially before they cut flowers. Um, so I, I get. Listen, every every single tenth of a second matters in the NFL. This is a very underrated deal for me. It really is because Brady's getting rid of the ball at record time right now. He's not allowing teams. Sure, the offensive line has been great, but he's not allowing teams to get to him. He's got quick passes, slants. Yeah, that's a bad thing. That's why Brady sucks. Yeah. You know, I, I always say that because the idiot that started fighting with me on Twitter this week that started to tell me that Tom Brady sucks and he's only good because he throws short passes quickly to white guys. Yeah. <laughs> James, I, had to, I had to get that James guy James White is white, by the way, for anybody. Just because his it. name is White, right. idiot. In the last two seasons, Rob, regular season games, the Rams have never lost when Aaron Donald records a sack. 18-0, and and they're 4-7 and when he doesn't have a sack. And they're playing a team that hasn't given up a sack in right. the postseason, so what gives? Right. Um, and the prop bet, I know we're, we're going to get into those in a little bit, but Aaron Donald not to record a sack, plus 140 tomorrow. Huh. Um, I think he'll get there. I think he will. What do you have, 20 and a half? Yeah, and he's just elite. I mean, he reminds me of, like, that stray hand that the Giants had. He reminds me of, you know, he's got to get there. He is one of the biggest stars in the game. I haven't looked at the Super Bowl MVP odds, and obviously it starts and ends with Tom Brady with the best, with the lowest odds to win, I guess, or the highest odds, however you want to say, the lowest payout. But it's going to be Brady and Goff. And I haven't looked, but I'm going to guess Donald's one of the next two or three guys. I'm sure Gurley might be in there, but I, I would guess Donald would be up there. So your guess, Brady one, obvious, minus 125. Goff two, plus 200. Gurley is plus 1,200. I mean, Todd Gurley, listen, you don't know what he is health-wise, but that's, that's pretty good odds. Aaron Donald plus 1,500. So he's fourth? Yeah. You, want, you want an order? Yeah, yeah. and C.J. Anderson plus 16. Michelle also 16. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Brady if the Patriots win. There's no no two ways about it. Um, I don't think Goff's winning a Super Bowl. They're not going to win the Super Bowl on Goff's arm. I agree. They're going to win this Super Bowl on Aaron Donald and that defense getting the job done and on Todd Gurley having a Todd Gurley day. That's how they're going to win. So, I mean, if you want to prop bet anything other than the Goff thing, if you, if you think the Rams are winning – Pick earlier or Donald because that's who it's going to come down to. Yeah, that Donald payout. I mean, when was the last time we saw a defensive player win the, uh, the uh, MVP? Von, Von, Von Miller is the for, one that comes to mind, right? For Denver when uh, Peyton Manning got his uh, his last Super Bowl. Um, last stat for you, and then I have all the profits whenever you want to get to those. But Brady, eight previous Super Bowl, Rob. He averages 29.43 completions, which I know is a profit out there. How many completions? And 18 touchdowns in those eight Super Bowls. Yeah, and that, and and what does he have? One in the playoffs this year. He has two. Goff he has, has two. One. Goff has one. Yeah, yeah. I think that he's going to hit at least twenty by the oh, end of this yeah. season. They're going to they're going to they're going to score a couple of touchdowns in this game. Um, I, like I said, I think that the defense for the Rams is is their best bet to win. Um, but their offense is good enough where their defense could have a good game. 
still give up 20 points and win the game and have played a good defensive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so too, because this isn't, I, I just don't see this being one of those, uh, you know, 14, 10, you know, 17, 13 type. No, games. you're going to see points. I know. Um, you know, then you got the dumb prop bets. And before we get to them, uh, let's just answer AJ's yeah. question. He wants to ask you, Mike, what are the quarterbacks and running backs you are targeting next year that are not top three round picks? So I guess, uh, the mid-level quarterbacks and uh, running backs. And I guess one of them would have to be Baker Mayfield. He's not going to be top three rounds, uh, but you can get him later in the draft. Love Baker. I, I really do. Um, and then as far as running backs, receivers go, I, I think Chubb isn't going to go round one. Love him at the end of round two. He after When he finally started starting, he led the, uh, the league in yards after contact, which is a, a huge stat. He doesn't get tackled very easily. So I like him there, uh, you know, back end round two. I would love to have a late pick there next year. Um, I haven't done enough research, Rob, to tell you who I like towards the bottom. A little early. Right. But, um, you know, there'll they'll always be sleepers there. But Baker, certainly, depending where you could keep Baker. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb, for me, is a last-round keeper. Um, what the Chiefs do with Damian Williams will be interesting, Rob. Are they going to go into a season next year with him as a starter? They just gave him a contract. I think they have to bring somebody in there, so you'll see what happens. Um, you you're going to start to see a new wave, Mike, of people right. that enter those top three rounds. You're going to see the Juju's now. You're going to oh, see, sure. you know, you might see, you know, you might see the Chubs and stuff like that. You might see, um, you know, what was it, uh, Carson from Seattle who finished top three this year, top right. four in rushing yards. Yep. It's a whole new yeah, group. Yeah, they just drafted, a, you know, last year a first round pick in Penny. So where, you know, why, you nice know, where dad. does that go? Right. We did meet <laughs> his dad. Nice guy. So where does that go? So. Um, you know, Mark Ingram, does, he's going to be a free agent. Does he leave New Orleans? If he got a starting gig somewhere, Rob, you'd have to figure he would be in that top three round easy, uh, you know, depending where he goes. So uh, it's very early. You have to wait for free agency. But, um, you know, it's never too early. All the leagues are probably locked now anyway. But those that last week, you should always be adding guys like that. If they switch teams, where would they be value-wise? Right, yeah. If you have keepers, especially based on where you pick them up or if yep. you get them outside of the uh, – Like Goon got yeah. Damian Williams, I know, and played him in the playoffs, but – me too. It, it could be a huge factor because Spencer yeah. Ware was garbage. You never know where he's going to be. Um, and, and then also, you know what? A guy like Kareem Hunt's going to fall out of the top three rounds, probably, yep. depending on his suspension. So that could be a guy you look at, you know, where he ends up, what his value is. You're going to look at James Conner, you know, is going to be jumping up in you know, oh, the sure. top three rounds for a guy that you got really late last year as a handcuff. Now he's probably going to be a keeper for most leagues. Right. So there, and there's so much time to talk about this. You know, does because, Miami move on with a new coach drop from Gore? Now you're talking Balage and Drake holding substantial value. So there's always guys like that. You really just, you got to see what happens. It's way too early to be considering keepers. Well, we got a goal in soccer. Um, yeah. So thank you, AJ, for the question. But now uh, real quick, 1115 uh, over the top sports radio, got 45 minutes left. Going to talk some Super Bowl prop bets. It's another also, one called off sides, Goon. Bayern Munich getting robbed today. Also going to uh, talk about, you know, the craziness that is the NBA as we head towards the trading deadline. Some big things already happening uh, with the Knicks. Uh, Vinny the Shark, we're going to have him call in and give us a couple of minutes on his take um, because I know he feels very strongly about the Knicks and Porzingis and all that. So uh, you do too. We've talked to you about it a little bit. So you and uh, him can talk a little bit about that Knicks deal. Uh, Maybe a little NHL towards the end of the show if we have a couple of minutes. Uh, we're definitely not going to talk WWE because there's nothing to talk about anymore with them. Uh, but halftime heat on tomorrow, I'll, I'll say that. Halftime heat should be fun well, to watch. It's it. great. It's a, it's a good idea that they're bringing back. And it was a great rating thing for them 20 years ago. You can watch it if you don't care about Maroon 5, which obviously I don't. Um, I'm sure all your women in your lives will want to watch that. And while some of the men will want to watch halftime heat. You know there's a prop out there that they might do some sort of tribute to SpongeBob SquarePants? 
There's also you know, tribute to I guess Kaepernick. Dude knowing this. They, supposedly, a Maroon 5 song is in SpongeBob SquarePants. I didn't know that, but I did see yeah, something see, about Yeah, see, knows song, this. A SpongeBob yes. or something they got. And the, it's a favorite in Vegas yeah. that they're going to do some sort of tribute to SpongeBob SquarePants oh, yeah. at halftime of the Super Bowl. I, I feel like those are such... Well, will um, SpongeBob be there? That's the question. Uh, come on, dude. <laughs> will SpongeBob be there? Maybe Sparky yeah, the Dragon. Yeah, SpongeBob's going to come out and take a too. knee at halftime. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That'll be a tribute to everybody. Oh, and the TV's going off at my friend's house. I promise you that. That won't even be me turning it off. It'll be this guy. <laughs> um, anyway, what about the real prop bets that you want to get into that actually have to do with, uh, you know, the actual Super Bowl or, or whether it's singing? I know the, the, the most fun one that I saw, I don't know if you saw this one, was will a fan run onto the field? I didn't see that one. So I, I didn't see what the numbers are. Maybe Goon can find that out. Will a fan run onto the field prop bet I saw? I thought it was um, like – it was a crazy amount of money for no, but if I'm the fan, you throw a crap load amount of money on it. <laughs> you run on the field, it pays your bail, and then you make money on top of it. You're the real winner, right now. You got you got to gamble a lot of money on it to make sure it pays your your bail. You spend a little time in jail too. That's fine for the right amount of money. I mean, I mean, well, Atlanta jail's a jail I'd I'd rather not spend time in, but um, you know, I, I know some people in corrections. Make a phone call. Yeah, I can make a phone call. <laughs> But either way, I just find out what that prop. Either way, it was just one of those more fun prop bets um, out there that, you know, of course the TV will never show it that a fan ran on the field. Yeah, because they to try and limit it, they don't want to make you, you uh, you know, a hero running on the field. Right. Yet there's prop bets on it. Anyway, what about you? What you got? So before we get to actual ones that I do like, Rob, Tony Romo called 13 of 15 plays correct during the AFC Championship. There is an over-under for him of calling seven and a half plays actually right in Vegas. Taking the over or the under? I'm taking the over. The guy knows, his, yes, knows his stuff. And you know what? Most of the plays that he called right were Patriot plays. Guess who's playing tomorrow? The Patriots. He yep. knows that Patriots offense. He's seen them enough. Sean McVay is 33 years old, Rob. How many times will it be mentioned? The over-under is one and a half. Oh, my God. They'll hit the over in the first quarter. <laughs> his age? Are you kidding me? Um, and then it came out on Twitter, which is very weird, but there's a whole video of the strength and conditioning coach is, uh, also McVeigh's safety coach. He pulls him back on the sidelines because McVeigh constantly makes the, uh, is running out onto the field. He gets too into it. So there, how many times are they going to show the coach pulling McVeigh back, uh, from the sidelines, Rob over under one and a half. I'll say under. I'll you don't think that's it. a big story? You think the age is more important than the coach? I do. I think that, because I know that they're going to mention it in the open that he's 33 because they have to. And then they'll have some field reporter, you know, CBS reporter, that when they do their sideline report when they're trying to fill time, because let's face it, the Super Bowl is a big time, a bunch of time filling. Yeah. It's like Brandon, um, which only few of you will get. But it's all time filling. And in one of those sideline reports, they will mention his age. Boom, you hit two, you win the money. Uh, so the actual – I know Guna has something. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Will a fan on the field? The yes is plus 800. The no is minus 1,500. So it's pretty pretty substantial. Uh, on the field. James White to score a touchdown, Rob, plus 161. I love it. I think you see a James White game. I really do. You've seen him in the Super Bowl. You've seen him in the playoffs with what he does. Uh, it doesn't say rushing. doesn't say receiving. It's to score a touchdown, plus 161. I absolutely love it. Uh, I love James White. It's a sucker bet. You can't bet on any of these running backs scoring a touchdown. It was Burkhead out of nowhere that was winning the game for Kansas City. Well, just wait, Rob, because he's coming up in my prop bets, too. Um, Tom Brady over one and a half touchdowns, minus 205. I would lay the juice. 
200 to win 100? Tom Brady to throw over, uh, you know, throw two touchdowns? In, in a game where you only need points? Right. I'm buying that one. No issues whatsoever. And then I love this one, too. You mentioned Rex Burkhead. Sexy Rexy. Oh, uh, to score a touchdown, plus 192, Rob. Pats have eight rushing touchdowns this postseason. Michelle has five. Rex has three. They're using him in the red zone. I'll take a chance on that. You throw 50 on that, Rex Burkhead, to score a touchdown anytime. So you're taking a yes on every different type of way for the Patriots to score a touchdown. Brady, two. White, uh, one. And Burkhead, one. I also um, considered. I you have to be taking the over then. I, I am. I think it'll be close, but I do think it'll hit. And I seriously debated taking the Aaron Donald no sack with how well that line is playing. It's plus money. Brady getting rid of the ball quick. Um, it's worth a look, too. It, it really is. Any others out there? Uh, those were the three that I actually liked, but I know there's a whole list. Of I know there's props. like the crazy ones of, um, you know, like, uh, you know, how long will the, the national anthem be? Oh, and... I do have that. I have the number for the national anthem. You ready? Sure. The hammer is going on the over right now. It's been ridiculous. Over under on the national anthem is 107 seconds, which would be, what, one minute and a half in one minute and 37 seconds, no? My math is correct. Yeah, 97 seconds. 107. Oh, 107 is a minute 47. So one minute and 47 seconds. Supposedly this lady is, uh, you know, notorious for her dragging out of the notes. So absolutely love it. I got one here for you. You always take the national anthem over. Will, will any player do the floss as a touchdown celebration? No. The yes is plus 450. The no is minus 750. Uh, I, I feel safe with that one, good. Yeah. you have any others up over there? Uh, will either announce you use the term hot Lanta? There's no odds. Just, there's no odds to that one. Gladys Knight is performing the national anthem. How many times will the word gronk be said? Over two and a half is plus 200. I mean, how can it not be said? Uh, I mean, so if if there's a ball thrown downfield and they uh, downfield and they say, you know, Brady the Gronk over the middle, that's one, right? Yeah. So if he gets more than two targets, they're not going to say Gronkowski every time. Yeah. I got here's another little good one I have right here. Legendary boxer Floyd Mayweather Jr. is rumored to have gambled away millions of dollars. <laughs> what will Mayweather's largest wager on the Super Bowl be? Over under two million. I have no idea. Yeah, there's no odds now, man. Uh, <laughs> Gronk receiving yards over under 56 and a half. Over. James White over under 53 and a half. I think it's a James White day. I would go over with that too. Here's one that to me seems low. So clearly Vegas thinks different than all of us. What have you seen Todd Gurley's over under for rushing yards? I think it's uh, 60 something. 63 and a half. Yeah. That seems like you would bet the over every time. They obviously want that for you, right? So why are they saying uh, why is it so low? Um, the shark says hammer out Tom Brady completions. Shocker, Nick Vinny. Season wins. Oh, versus Nick <laughs> season wins. I haven't seen that anywhere though. I, I saw yeah, that uh, minus two fifty. I did see that somewhere, but it might have been through the shark. But I, I didn't think see it was. It. He mentioned it last. Did he? I saw somebody mention it on uh, Twitter or on a group chat or somewhere yesterday. Um, Jersey number of the first player to score the first touchdown, Rob. Over 26 and a half, under 26 and a half. So now you're looking, what's Gurley's number? What's Edelman's number? What's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, Gurley's 30, there. right? Gurley's 30. But, you know, James White's 26. So if it's James White, what's Burkhead? 38, I think. 
Yeah, I, I, those are just all fun 50-50 basically stuff that you, you, you throw out down. and Total touchdowns by both teams currently, minus 130. It's over six and a half. So Vegas also is taking money on it. There will be a ton of points scored in this game. Yeah, so um, let's get a score from you um, for the Super Bowl. For Let your me see what my pick. Super Bowl boxes are, Rob, before I give you a score, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, I will take the New England Patriots. 38 and the Rams 35. I'll say it's a field goal game. I will. 38-35. I'm going to say the Rams win because I have to, because I picked them preseason. I have to stick with them now. now. That's fair. I have to stick with them. And they've gotten me all year. They've gotten me here. They've done everything I've hoped that they would do. They've got the team on paper. How the hell would I put this money in Vegas uh, on McVay versus Belichick? No, I, I told you for the last hour why you would go with Belichick. But you know what? They've got me this far. I'm going to stay on the Rams train. I'm sure that the Shark will call in a couple minutes to talk about Christoph's Porzingis, and he'll shit all over me for it. But that's okay. I believe in this Rams team. I believe in Todd Gurley. I believe in their defense. I believe in Greg Zerline. I believe in him over Guskowski, who, by the way, is not the same – Guskowski that we used to see. That's He's fair. not aging well, and Zerline is awesome. And Zerline has no conditions to kick in. I have him Zerline's kicking. been on the injury report all week. You worried about that? Not at all. Not okay. at all. I, the last thing I saw him kick was a kick that would have been good from seven, 65 yards to win the NFC championship. Last prop I have for you, longer field goal over 47 and a half yards. Uh, over because my, I agree with that. my prediction is that oh, Zerline will win the Super Bowl either at the end of the game or in overtime on a field goal of over 45 yards. It will be a long Zerline field goal to win the Super Bowl for the Rams. I'm going to say 31 to 28, 34 to 30. I'm going to say 34 to 31 because I don't think this is going to be so four touchdowns. So you have the overall, Oh, yeah, 30. I, I, I like the points. I think that their defense is going to play well. But, you, like I said, you could play good defense and still give up a bunch of points to Tom Brady and the, on the Patriots. 34-31 I'm going to go with either at the end of the game, game-winning field goal somehow, Although overtime to me seems to be creeping in. I think this could be an overtime type game. And I love Zerline in the dome and a long field goal to win the game. I don't think he'll miss. Go and give me your prediction. Uh, Patriots win by field goal. And it's 33-30. So you have the over too. Yeah. So and, you're basically at the same score as me. Yeah. And the shark says two things. One. It's one thing to pick the Rams, Rob, but will you bet them? Hashtag rule number one. You know rule number one, and it's 0 for 3 against NFC East teams. And what is it? How many times do they have? Six? Uh, five? Tomorrow will be their ninth Super so, Bowl. So and they're 5-0 and 0 against right. teams outside the NFC East. And another prop bet from Vinny the Shark says, Sonny Michelle total receiving yards is at one and a half. Why isn't he catching a pass tomorrow? Because of Rex Burhead and James, yeah. James White. Those are the guys in the game on third down. Those are the guys in the game on passing situations. Um, Sony Michelle rarely caught any passes all year. That's what they have these other guys for. And Julian Edelman and Hogan. I mean, those guys that they use in the short passing game, it's not Sony Michelle. But even, even all, takes, all, takes is, yeah, all it takes is one catch, though, for you to hit the over. So if you want to bet that he's going to catch one pass, go for it. But Vinny knows better than anybody. Vegas knows what they're talking about. That seems like a lock to, to, to bet for the over. Well, that's why they're asking you to take it, right? Rob, before we wrap up the Super Bowl here, uh, any 
anybody leaving after the Super Bowl? Gronk retiring, Belichick retiring, Brady retiring. Are we seeing anybody step away after the game tomorrow? I can see not Gronk. immediately, not immediately, but you know, is this anybody's last game? I should have phrased it like that. It's definitely not Brady's last game. He was asked that this week, and he laughed and he said, "Hell no!" Basically, um, it's not Belichick's last game, um, unless you mean as a Patriot. But I still say 99% he comes back as a Patriot anyway. But even if he left the Pats, he's going to work somewhere else. I don't think he's going to retire for good. But I agree. he'll be back. So will Brady next year with the Patriots. Why not? The AFC East is trash. You know you're going to get another chance to win the Super Bowl next year with who you have. You can press the limit right now for the AFC East title. Oh, 100%. I don't care what the odds are. You know, yes, you know, Vinny, that's a bet I'll make, that they'll win the AFC East. You lay out the juice at the beginning of the year. It's basically like somebody holding your money and then giving you a little bit more back at the end of the year. Um, so why would they leave? Gronk, though, Gronk's been hinting at retiring for so long. I and, think he's uh, done, man. I think he might be done. He wants to go out and, you know, you know, be that barstool type guy. Yeah. He wants to get involved in, like, WWE. Yeah. He wants to make 69 jokes as if 69 is funny anymore to adults. He still thinks it's funny. I don't get it. But, but that's, you know, he wants to be Gronk. Um, and he's been a great soldier this year. He's kept his mouth shut. He's become a blocking tight end. He's helped his team be great without being a good fantasy player. But uh, I think he might be done. So if anybody, it would be him. And I don't think anybody on uh, the Rams is going anywhere. I agree with that. I don't know who will leave free agency, but I don't see anybody retire. Maybe Whitworth. I guess Andrew Whitworth is kind of old, playing left tackle to them. So uh, maybe it would be him if you know anybody was going to step away. Uh, I agree with you. I think Gronk is done. You already saw that Triple H came out this week and has welcomed Gronkowski with open arms to WWE. He's done trading with them, which I didn't know about. So who knows if he makes some sort of, you know, career in that or impact in that. Gronk has the personality to go do whatever he wants. He already does commercials, those Tide to go, whatever the hell those things are, the Tide Pod commercials. He can go do whatever he wants. He can go be a commentator for football and go work for Barstool. Doesn't really matter, but I think tomorrow's his last game. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a a very good career for him. Hall of Fame career, probably. Pass catching. Easy. Pass catching. He, He played long enough to do it. It wasn't over a short period of time, so. Um, he was the best tight end in the league for... I mean, we saw him on Shark Tank pitching, yeah. you know, stuff as an entrepreneur and an inventor. So he's going to be a guy that uh, he's going to go out, but you haven't heard the last of Gronk. I agree. And he's also the kind of guy, too, I could see coming back next year. I could see next year in the middle of November, uh, all of a sudden, you know, getting that itch again and being that guy that comes back to play with the Patriots when they need that guy and they need that little boost. He's the type of personality that I could see doing that, and he would get paid very well for it. I have the quick little clip right here of them asking Gronk if he's going to retire. Go ahead. Yes, no, maybe so. Yes, no, maybe so. And I think they said, what's the percentage you'll play next year? And he looked at a girl reporter and said, I think you know my number. <laughs> he was referring to 69 because 69 is still funny. And people um, got pissed at that. He, well, no, it, that guy on FAN got pissed about it. Carl, anybody else get pissed? Yeah, it's been all over. A ton of people have yeah, been writing about it. Oh, God, God forbid. God forbid a guy has fun and makes a joke. He didn't say he was trying to 69 the girl. I mean, you know, she probably would have said yes anyway. But um, who cares? Who cares? Get, get over it. Stop being like that. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I'm sure the Sharks pick, and he'll call in and talk about the Knicks in a couple minutes. Some NHL talk coming your way as well. Um, as we hit the second half, the unofficial second half of hockey, we already hit the halfway point a couple Gronk, weeks ago. I'm sorry, Rob, last thing. Gronk's a free agent at the end of the year also. So now it becomes, if he doesn't step away, Belichick wanted to trade him. That's been publicly known, trade him to Detroit, to Patricia. Um, you know, are they even willing to pay him to come back? So that's a, a whole other factor. That That's where I think you could see him coming back 
Mid-season next year, out of retirement. Here's Gronk uh, to save the day. Off and, uh, yeah, take the time off, his do his thing, still get the big payday. You know, I could see it happening. He'll know the offense well. What is he going to need? And he's just got to get ready for the playoffs. I would draft Gronk in, in round 16 in a in a draft just to just throw him on the bench happens. to see because I, I, I just feel like he's the type of guy that would even come back. I do. See play seven games. Play six games. We'll see. That's a long way away to talk about. So before um, you get into anything else, real quick again, one more time, Saquon Barkley giveaway signed photo is up. It is live right now on Facebook. Goon, you have the uh, the details how to win on our Twitter? Yeah, it's all on Twitter and on the Facebook. Uh, re- retweet it or pin it to the top or something. Just, just let the guys see it that you know might, might not have heard it. So you share Facebook, you share the video, you tag three friends, you're entered to win the Saquon Barkley photo. And the girly one, which is up on Twitter, that's the Twitter giveaway. Tomorrow, you literally retweet something and guess the Super Bowl score. We all know you'll be watching anyway, so you might as well take a guess at the score and have a shot at winning the Todd Gurley signed photo. Here's my last thing for the Super Bowl. Go ahead. And I want all of you guys to listen to me. You're not the type of guy that does this. Neither are you. But maybe you're one of those guys out there. And I say this every year on my personal Twitter. But please, don't tweet, wow, oh, wow, holy shit. During the Super Bowl. It's not worthy of a tweet. We're watching the same thing. Stop flooding my timelines with a dumb tweet like, wow. It's so (laughs) stupid. We're all watching. The world doesn't need to see your tweet of, wow. If you're going to tweet, make it worthwhile. Follow Mike's tweets. They're worthwhile. They're informative. They might be wrong sometimes when he's shitting on Andrew Luck. But at least they have an opinion and context. I don't think them. I shit on him a lot on Twitter. No, I but think I, mostly on the show. Yeah, but I have to get my Andrew Luck <laughs> dig in somehow. I don't or else am I going to get it in? I don't think I bashed him on Twitter that often. Um, Ravi says hello from over the top. Uh, so over the top sports. Um, checking in. Um, I'm the Super Bowl jersey uh, from the Super Bowl jersey giveaway. Just checking in. So Ravi, thank you for watching the show. Thank you for you know joining the contest. Um, and tag three friends. Tag three friends. Maybe you can win a Todd Gurley. I'm sorry, a Saquon Barkley jersey. I'm, Jesus Christ. Signed Saquon photo. Barkley signed, signed photo. photo. We're talking about jerseys here. I'm looking at jerseys. Signed photo. It's in Mike's hand. It's right there. And then go on Twitter and see how you can win. Um, you know, just take your chances. Throw us the score on your Twitter. Maybe you can win a Todd Gurley uh, signed photo. Maybe by tomorrow night at midnight, he's the Super Bowl MVP. Guess what? The value of that goes up. Oh, yeah. The value of this is going to go up when he wins Rookie of the Year. Tonight. Tonight. In the next 48 hours, the value of both of these is going to go up. And you have to pay nothing. They're free. They're giveaways. They will be yours or could be yours for free. And they will have it by the end of the week. Um, anyway, 646-716-5403. If you do want to share your football thoughts, if you want to share your hockey and basketball thoughts as well, let's get into the KP thing real quick. So I think the shark wants to call in and talk about it. We'll get into the basketball. We'll end the show on some hockey. Um, but I'll give you the floor as the bigger basketball or Knicks fan than I am um, until the shark calls in. Kristaps Porzingis, it was so quick how it happened, Mike. You started seeing the reports that Porzingis is a little bit unhappy with the direction of the club and the losing culture. Right. And literally with it, and, and they said they'll look into trading him and within less than two hours, the Woj bomb drops and he's traded. And when it was posted in our group chat, and it was posted by Jimmy first, who I guess follows Woj. But I had to check and make sure like it wasn't like a fake account. Right. It happened so fast, you almost didn't believe it. Well, I don't believe it because I think it was the deal was already being talked about for days before that. And 
then they let it leak that Przingis wasn't happy and that they had to trade him. And I think the Knicks did it to cover their own asses that uh, Przingis wasn't happy. And they've tried to turn the fan base against Przingis. But that being said, Rob, I absolutely love the trade. The trade is huge for the New York Knicks. They now have $74 million in cap space next year. They now can tell a free agent like Kevin Durant, hey, come play here for max money and bring a friend with you. Bring Cousins, bring Thompson, uh, whoever. You want Kyrie to come play with you? Fine. They're going to have a top three pick. They are. They stink. They Honestly, if they buy out DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews, they won't win a game the rest of the season. If That's how bad they play, stink. My question is this. Because the bottom of the NBA is so bad with the Knicks and the Cavaliers and the Bulls and the Suns. You don't think that Smith and these guys can help the Knicks win just a couple of games, which might be the difference between them being the fourth worst team and the third worst team, which hurts your lottery chances. They're not going to let it happen. Fisdale is on tank mode. He will not let just that happen. Just ask cancer. Right. And we could just ask me the Sharks because we have him on the line. Let's go, Vinny. Give me your thoughts on the trade, man. I know you aren't as crazy about it. What's going on, fellas? I can't wait to listen to the Michael Bowley interview, but I'm sure Goon will have that up by St. Patrick's Day, right, Goon? <laughs> but as for Christos Porzingis, uh, this is a trade you can't like until the summer this year because we got to find out if we get these free agents. If we don't get these free agents, then the Knicks flat out just traded a 7.3 all-star that could score from anywhere on the court to just for money. And for a player, they should have drafted over Frank Nilakina in the first place. So you can't grade this trade until we find out if the free agents come. And if they don't get the free agents, that was a pretty bad trade. If they do, then good job. They actually are heading into the right direction because we know how you win at the NBA. You have to get the superstars and form the super team. So the Knicks now have the money to do that. The matter is, will they do that? And do they have the assets to sell these free agents to come on to the Knicks? This is an organization that's lost for decades, and they're not really selling too much. They're saying, hey, come play here. We've lost for, you know, two, 20 years straight. We haven't been competitive in seven straight years, and, and we don't have anybody here besides maybe Zion Williams, who is not guaranteed to be our guy, or is he guaranteed to be any good if we get him? And that's all we have to sell him on. So I don't know if the destination for New York is really that appealing for free agents, but again, if we could actually nail one of these guys, great job for the Knicks with this trade. Otherwise, bad, 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 and we're set back yet again, and we're starting from scratch yet again. And this is where I disagree, though. I think you have a ton to sell a free agent on. You're selling them on New York. You're selling them on the amount of money they can make with sponsors. You're selling them on Times Square, being on a billboard. You're selling them on seven first-round picks over the next five years. You're selling them on the fact that they could come bring a friend. This isn't just one max player. Who do you want to come with you? He can come too. They're still going to have to fill out a roster. You know how much before J.R. Smith's boneheaded play last year, how much LeBron actually liked J.R. Smith? You can bring in little friends like that. You're going to have to put a roster together. Heading into next year, you're going to have five players on the active roster. Whoever comes over here, whichever star or stars, are literally going to be able to fill out an entire roster. No other team can do that. There are teams like the Clippers and the Nets that can offer a max contract but neither one of those teams can say, fill out the rest of the roster. What six friends do you want to bring with you, as long as it works financially? Yeah, the market's great, and the money is going to be great. But other than that, James Dolan is not great. This team has not been highly regarded. Teams do not, Players do not like Knicks and this organization, and we all seen how James Dolan treats his former stars. He kicked Charles Oakley out of the damn garden that one night. I mean, it's just – 
they don't have a good reputation other than selling them on what you said, uh, money and uh, whatever they could do personally with their billboards and advertisements and all that crap. But, I mean, in terms of the Knicks, they haven't been very good to sell anybody to say, hey, come start here and start fresh. I think in the NBA that the endorsement money is going to be there regardless. Now, of course, Mike's right. You can't sell Times Square to anywhere else. You can't even sell Times Square if you're the Nets. Um, and let's be honest. And I think the Nets can sign two max deals, but they can't all. Uh, Times Square is the Knicks. Times Square is the Yankees. Times Square, you know, it's those top. It's the Giants. It, it's the top prestigious I team. Agree. I wouldn't say Rangers, not because I hate them, but because I just don't think hockey is big enough for Times Square right now. But um, my thing with the Knicks is, first of all, Durant's going to be 31 when next year starts. First, that's my first thing to you, Vinny, is does that scare you a little bit? He's obviously great, but he's already 31. And then the other guy that they're talking about, and it's very ironic that this all happens, and then yesterday Kyrie's playing against the Knicks at the Garden, and we saw Kyrie's comments about, well, you know, I'm going to do what's best for me. I don't know anybody's shit is what his exact comment was. Um, is he the type of guy that is the second player in that? Is he the complimentary player you want to come to the Knicks? Because I think Kyrie has um, kind of, you know, pushed people's buttons the wrong way. So Durant, 31 years old, is Kyrie the type of personality you want with the Knicks? Durant at 31 is the ideal guy, number one guy I want here. I don't care that he's 31. There's no decline in his game. He is big time. He is top three player in the NBA. You could even say number one. You could say number two, but easily top three player in the NBA. He needs to be the guy. The Knicks get him, and he's playing at Eastern Conference. They're immediately a threat, just like that, and that's how good he is. Kyrie Irving. He is definitely a good fit for the Knicks. Definitely a guy I want them to go after, but he's not my number two. Kawhi Leonard is actually my number two. Kyrie's injury woes are scaring me, and now just seeing how he does with these teams, and it doesn't seem like he's a very loyal guy to any of them. He jumps off the Cavs. He's not very loyal to Boston right now. I don't know if I could trust him coming over here to New York and things not working out the way he wants them to work out. He'll just abandon ship like he's done to two other teams already. So he, he would be number three, but that's also because of the injury risk and also with all this off-court uh, shenanigans. So Kawhi is my number two, but absolutely. Kevin Durant, sign me up. And I think that these two first-round picks is a big part of the deal, especially that one is unprotected. I don't think that the Mavericks, as you know, as is right now, and I know the picks aren't to what, 2021 and 2023, I don't think they're going to be a championship contender. I just don't. So I don't think that the Knicks are getting, you know, a pick that's in the late 20s with the Mavericks when it's unprotected. They're not going to get a lottery pick. But they can get a good pick, and even if they use that pick as part of a trade, you know how these trades are sometimes. It's extra assets that either they can trade or they can use to draft a good player, and then they have the protected pick in 2023. I think that that's a big part of this deal, too. And the other thing is, is and I know you guys probably don't agree with me on it, I just think Porzingis is overrated. He had some good moments with the Knicks. He had some good stretches. But the guy, to me, and, and you guys uh, very admit that I watch less basketball than all of you, but I do have to watch it at work. So I do watch some. The guy can't play the big minutes. He can't play 80 games plus a long playoff run, I feel like, without getting hurt, without having his minutes down, without needing that game of rest. Um, I just don't know if he has it in him. And that, that body and that frame, I don't know if it's going to last. So, you know what? I think that if I'm you guys, I think that I'm happy to get rid of him because he's also a problem. He's giving Fisdale, you know, sending him tweets or Instagram videos of him running to start a, a fight with Fisdale, who had never even coached him for a game. He's been a little bit immature, and I think that, you know, he's part of that losing culture in New York. The, the laws of seven-foot Europeans agree with you, besides Nowitzki, uh, who never declined until late in his age, like we're seeing now. So, I mean, yeah, he hasn't played in very, very long. He doesn't play full games. Maybe you're right, but when he is on the court, that guy 
he is pretty damn good. I've seen him firsthand. He was carrying a team on his back, but obviously not winning. If he was a three, he would be very, very, very good number three in this league, that's for sure. The third star, that's what the Knicks are trying to go at, trying to build around him. But now he doesn't want to be a part of it. Whatever, we got to move on. Maybe we'll get what you're saying, Rob. He's just never going to be that good. And those things that you mentioned, they could be very valuable because Luka Doncic could leave after his rookie deal. I'm sure the Mavs are going to do whatever they can to lock that guy up full time. But if Porzingis isn't that great, or if he's constantly hurt, that's going to hurt uh, the Mavericks' chances of winning, and that could be a better draft pick for the New York Knicks. And that's what I was going to ask you. If you look at this from the Mavericks' standpoint, Vinny, um, take the Knicks fanhood out of it. Just look at it from the Mavericks' standpoint. Um, do you like the deal for them? Do you like the upside for the Mavericks here? Yeah, this is definitely a big win for the Mavs. Um, the only thing that could affect them are those picks that Porzingis doesn't pan out because they're going to be able to uh, get him ready to be on here. I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, and Wesley Matthews. They can actually afford a max contract uh, down the road here and pretty shortly, and they can build around Doncic and Porzingis ready the way the Knicks were trying to do with Porzingis. So I think the Mavs, this is a no-brainer move for them to get a uh, Porzingis in a trade that really came out of nowhere. Nobody saw this happening. We all knew Dennis Smith was in trade talks to the Mavs, but Porzingis' name, pretty wild. And, uh, you know, last thing, um, Mike and I just wanted to get your official over-the-top sports Super Bowl score pick. We know you have the Rams winning. We know you never bet on Tom Brady. So what is your pick? I think you guys got the bar set a little too high. You guys are expecting a lot of offense. I think it's going to go a little lower than that. This is the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go Patriots 27, Rams 21. 27 so, to 21. Vinny on the under. Any prop bets you love that we didn't uh, hit or something that you have to see out there for our fans? Just the next one that you guys read earlier. That's about it. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you did well today on your exam, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on Monday night to talk about the Super Bowl. All right, guys. I look forward to it. Have a good show. All right. Vinny the Shark uh, joining us to talk some NBA, Mike, and uh, I know that you guys are uh, a little bit different opinions, but it, either way, the underlying theme is excitement for the Knicks fan base, and I think the excitement gets ramped up a little bit by this trade just because of the endless possibilities now that they really can start this roster from scratch. So I think, you know, you can like it for this reason or dislike it for this reason, but yeah, Knicks fans now, they have excitement and some hope. And Carl Banks said it yesterday too, Rob, if it's not going to be Kyrie, it can't be Kemba. You know, you can't settle for – if it's not going to be Durant, it can't be Jimmy Butler. You can't go give these two guys max contracts because you'll just be in the same boat with uh, overpaid stars that are, are, you know, underperforming. So if it's not them, you have to then wait again, you know, one-year deals, go, uh, you know, to the free agency the following year. But uh, if you're a Knicks fan, listen, there's a lot of question marks around Przingis. You guys mentioned it. It's You got a lot of value for it. You did. So um, I, I'm all for the deal. And one thing that nobody has really mentioned that I've heard of is, is, you know, everybody's shit on Phil Jackson, and rightfully so. I mean, I completely agree with most of it. But Phil Jackson wanted to trade for Zingas, uh, you know, and everybody – I wrote a rant about it. So, you know, you almost have to see, did Phil Jackson see the writing on the wall when he wanted to trade for Zingas, or is just that was just Phil Jackson, in, you know, off in the beach collecting his millions of dollars? Yeah, and, you know, everybody said that the Knicks suck because Phil Jackson couldn't run a competent organization. Well, since he left, they've just gotten more embarrassing. It's just gotten worse. Yeah, but at so, least they're embarrassing with a plan now. I don't think Phil had a plan. I think at yeah, least Yeah, I don't now, think that this was the plan where Porzingis was going to shit on the organization and want out. I think that the Knicks' plan up until very, very recently had Porzingis as being a part of it. 
I don't know. It was to build around Porzingis and whatever free agent they could lure out of uh, free agency this oh, year. We don't even know that Porzingis shit on the organization. We know that he, he said uh, he wasn't uh, happy with the direction. Oh, I believe it. I uh, mean, look at his, like, tweets and Instagram posts afterwards. Yeah, but that was he had a with tweet his brother. Others, and... Well, I don't think his brother's a good um, influence. I think his brother's a big part of pushing him around and an influence on him. I think, that I think this, the Knicks I let it out it. there so that people like us would be like, oh, screw him. And, you know, I hope he tears his other ACL. And, you know, they, the, the Knicks fan base would really be, okay, we support this trade no matter what. They, they clearly done a nice job with the media. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. If, if in whatever line, you know, we were in and we were professional athletes or even at a lower level, uh, you know, your company went out there and badmouthed you and hurt your reputation, wouldn't you at some point stick up for yourself? Oh, of course. Well, he hasn't. It makes me think that he probably did. I mean, he hasn't stuck up for himself. His brother, who's so worried about his image and so worried about, you know, his next contract at his young age. Yeah, because his brother's collecting all his money. Right, but he would tell him, hey, stick up for yourself. Or his brother would put it out there. Hey, Kristaps never said this. The Knicks are BSing. It seems like that's what they would say. Right. So I feel like there's got to be something to it because he hasn't refuted it. He hasn't stuck up for himself in that and to try to save his little image. Um, And then it was only after he tweeted, you know, some – Stuff that I guess irked Knicks fans that he then tweeted his, um, you know, thank you, New York. You'll have a special place in my heart tweet. 31 minutes per game, by the way, he averaged as a young kid in the NBA in three seasons. And uh, this would be his fourth season. So in four years, he's only averaged 31 minutes. I'm telling you, the guy can't shoulder a big load. So, uh, listen, if I'm the Knicks fan, I, I'm, I think it happened so fast. The one thing you can wonder is could I have gotten more for him? Right. By, you know, waiting until the trade deadline and not maybe taking the first decent offer that I heard yeah, from the to, Mavs. You have to see if you could have got Anthony Davis in that, right. you know. <laughs> I don't know. Now, I wouldn't have given up the first-round pick this year for Anthony Davis. No, but it, right. But, but you, you know, give up Porzingis enough for Anthony Davis. You try it. Right. And you see if you can get him to sign here, then you get your first pick, and then maybe you still get Durant or somebody. You know, he's an option, too. If he's still on the roster heading into next year, Anthony Davis could be a New York Nick. You have multiple first-round picks you could trade. You have Kevin Knox, even though I wouldn't want to see it, but to get Davis, fine. You know, he's a possibility here as well with another Max player. Yeah, and um, that that's just the excitement. And, and you want hope and excitement when you're a bad team. When you're, what are they, 10 and 42, something oh, like they that? Suck. They've lost 12 straight games. The only excitement is going to be, you know, the next time you're going to be excited is when they pull the ping pong balls out. Yep. That draft lottery show, the ratings in New York will be insane. It'll probably be worthy of a huge segment, maybe even a whole show, with you and Vinny because it'll be on a Tuesday night usually, I think, uh, during the NBA playoffs. But that's the next Ugh. exciting moment for the Knicks. Exciting times in the NHL. All-star game's over. Well, just the whole league. Um, Not for me. Yeah, having a good year. You guys are playing better as of late. <laughs> you guys are back into the playoff talk. Yeah. The Rangers, they're eight points out. Not where I want to be. I no, want to be in the not. tank talk, Rob. Right, but you guys have played well enough at least. I think you've won four out of five. Um, you won the other night. Um, it was a good win the other night. You had, uh, what was it? Um, God, you know, Hattrick, had a hat trick. Yep. I was gonna say hat trick in New Eat Jersey. Him. By by, I was gonna say Zuccarello, but I knew it wasn't. Him. It was a manager. Yeah. So I mean, obviously the range is gonna be in tank mode. You're starting to hear the rumors now about Hayes and Ryder, yep. Zuccarello. These guys all pending free agents. What are they gonna do? The only guy it seems that won't be traded or talked about being traded, other than the young guys like Hedo, and that is Henrik Lundqvist. And uh, listen, I've mentioned this already. I, I, he shouldn't be traded if he he's earned the right, Rob, to stay here. And if he wants to, you know, be here with a team that's not going to have much success over the next couple of years, then I'm fine with that. I really am. Uh, if he wanted to go and, you know, 
pursue being with a winner and have a chance at a Stanley Cup, I'm fine with that too. He has done enough for this organization where he has earned the right to dictate his future. And management's done a good job by letting him do that. Management did come to him and say, hey, would you like us to deal you last year? He said, I want to remain a Ranger for life. They gave him another chance in the offseason and now and looking at different things because they could say, hey, this is what's best for the Rangers. We're so sorry. We appreciate you. Don't worry. We'll raise your banner, you know, your jersey in the rafters. But you know what? They've actually done it as a kind of a players type of thing in the organization. Which they haven't done in years past with Graves and Leach and, you know, let Messier go before he came back. So, and that was all old. They buried uh, the hatchet. Yeah, That was an old regime. Right, exactly. But at least now you're starting to see, hey, if, and we'll see what happens. I mean, there's still time, but he's earned the right to dictate if he wants to stay here or not. But, I mean, these playoff races are insane. So we got a lot to look forward to. I know one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, the last time we talked about hockey was, um, you know, between the Canadians, the Sabres, and the Islanders, which team would fall out. Um, well, so far it's been the Sabres who – you know, the thing I said about them that day is I just don't know if their young defense could sustain the type of hockey they were playing at. Um, and the Canadians, you know, I, I still don't know if I buy them either. I think that's the team that you said falling out. Well, they've fallen all the way to the last wild card spot. And at right. that point, they were higher. So, you know, they're the team that, you know, you're going to well, – actually, it's Columbus and them in the two wild card spots. But they're the team you worry about, you know, is Carolina, who's gotten really hot. And they're a good team. They're Especially playing at home. Hockey. Very well at home. Yeah. Now they're just a couple of points behind with the um, – you know, tied with Buffalo, but I feel like Buffalo's going down, Carolina's coming up. You're going to see some movement in this Eastern Conference playoff race. I kind of wanted to see Buffalo with, you know, being a young team, Rob, see some success, which they haven't had. I, I kind of wanted to see them make the wild card. Uh, I don't think they will. I like Columbus, veteran team, John Tortorella, good coaching, um, a goalie, right? I mean, I like having a good goalie that could steal a game in the playoffs, which they have that in Bobrovsky. So I think Columbus gets in. I don't know about Montreal. Um, Carolina, I don't really see either. It really, for me, would be Buffalo if they make any sort of jump. Fine. Um, I don't think, you know, Rangers are not making it. Philly's not making it. Florida's not making it. Choice's not making it. Devils aren't making it. And Ottawa might not I mean, win. Philly's won six in a row, games. and they're still nine points out of the playoffs. Well, the, the goaltending's been ridiculous. They got a great performance the other night from Stalock or Stalock, whatever the hell his name is. And, and Hart has been phenomenal since they called him up with the goalie of the future, so... Yeah, well, so the, the most interesting team, I would think, is the Blue Jackets because they're sitting there right now. Um, they're in the last wild card spot in the East, but they're just a couple of points out of having the two seed, the one seed in the Metropolitan, yep. you know, getting home ice advantage, and then they're just a couple of points of being out of the playoffs. But they have maybe the two biggest rental guys that are going to be free agents, and that's Bobrovsky and Panarin. So what do you do if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM over there in uh, Columbus, what do you do over there in Columbus? Do you sell these guys or do you go for it and risk losing them for nothing? Because I think Bobrovsky's gone and I I think Panarin's gone. I think they're both leaving. They've suspended Bobrovsky, right, for team reasons. So I do agree with you. I think he could be gone as well. Um, I think you have to see what happens even with Washington, Rob. Holpe's been horrible. Uh, You know, that's not being talked about enough. Brandon Holpe's been horrible. Uh, That's a team that has had their struggles as well, even though they won last night. So you have to see what happens there. Maybe, you know, like you do make some sort of jump. It's very hard to repeat. We know this. unless you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it, I have to see what happens with Washington before I make any sort of moves if I'm Columbus. Yeah, they had seven straight losses before they beat the Flames last night. By the way, the Flames' second-best team in hockey, if you ask me, and you want to talk about the Western Conference. Um, they have the most point percentage in the NHL since going back to uh, January 1st. Islanders are number two. The Hurricanes, the only other team in the Metro in the top 12. Mm. So, you know, these teams coming up, it's not the teams that you're used to hearing about being uh, – you know, hot teams in that Metro division. But then you go to the Western Conference. The Flames have been awesome. The Sharks, you know, they're up there as well. 17-4 and four at home. 
Both you of know, them. I think uh, Sharks too, right? 17-4 and four for Calgary, 17-4 and four for yeah. um, the Sharks, 16-6 and six at home for Vegas. You got 19-6 and six at home for Winnipeg. So these Western teams play great at home, and they're just around maybe a little bit above 500 teams except for Calgary on the road. So um, a lot of excitement out there in the West, a lot of excitement, you know, for the playoffs. You got teams out there like Colorado who got off such a great start. Yeah. Like now they're on the outside looking in. The Ducks who lost, what, 12 in a row? They're just a couple of points out of a playoff spot. The Canucks haven't been in the playoffs in forever. They're up there. And then you got, of course, the big, you know, the big one in Connor McDavid, who's on the outside looking and trying to make a late charge. So you're looking at these teams that are not in the playoffs, Rob. You mentioned a few of them, but Edmonton, Chicago, the Ducks, which, and even the Kings for that matter, which of these teams is the most disappointing to you? Um, and which of these teams really now needs to look into saying, hey, we have to blow this thing up? Um, I think the team that you didn't mention is the most disappointing, and that's the Blues. The Blues went out there, and they had a big offseason bringing in Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, they boy. brought in Bozak. They got really strong down the middle, um, which is where you need to be. And the one thing that the Blues have always had a problem with is goaltending. And they let Carter Hutton go in free agency, and they gave the reins to Jake Allen uh, fully, and he hasn't been able to do it. Now they have this guy, Bennington, coming up. He's played well. He's played good in net. Um, so they started to make a charge up in the standings. They should be better. We saw the regression for Chicago and L.A. coming. Chicago wasn't good last year. L.A. was on LA's their way old. down. L.A. is too old at this point. L.A. Is so, and Chicago, too. They have all their money tied up in Kane and Taves and Seabrook and Keith and, and then an injured Crawford, who hasn't even been there yeah. this year, that how are they going to win? And they give up a ton of goals. They've given up 193 goals. Uh, the Kings can't score for their life. They went out there and spent money on Kopitar, an old guy. Kovalchuk. They got older. Yeah. Uh, I, I meant Kopitar. Yep. They spent the money on Kopitar in the offseason to join Kopitar, who makes $10 million a year. We both thought it was a lot for 30 goals, unfortunately. I thought <laughs> Kopitar was going to be great. I love the guy. I wanted yep. the Islanders to get him. Um, so, you know, those teams I expect to be bad. It's the Blues that I think were the biggest disappointment. But then you have teams like, you know, Vancouver starting to take this step with Pedersen and Besser and that young group, um, you know, it's been it's been kind of a changing of the guard more in the Western Conference than anywhere. In the East, you still have Tampa Bay, Toronto, right. uh, Washington, and Pittsburgh all up in the top four and five. It is. It's almost, you know, in the last few years, you have seen a, some sort of flip-flop with Vegas just added in. What do you make of Dallas, who currently sits in a playoff spot, but clearly the players aren't happy there with the whole ownership, uh, you know, and him running his mouth. Uh, to me, that's a situation to keep an eye on because – you have Ben, you have Sagan, you have a lot of name talent. You're playing better hockey of late, but that's still – the players can't be happy. It's a real ballsy move to call out your stars at that time of year. And, and I get it that there could be a, a – they had a soft part of their schedule coming up, so I could see it happening where he thinks, hey, you know, this is going to spark the team. But it also could backfire, and it kind of sounded like it backfired. Um, but here they are playing decent hockey. They had a one nothing shutout the other night. I forget who they beat. Um, I don't know who it was. They won one nothing. I know Bishop got the shutout the other night. It was an Eastern Conference team. Um, so, I mean, they're right there. They have the talent to do it. Um, I think they're going to play for themselves and each other. I don't think they're going to make any trades. I don't think they're going to trade any of these guys out. Uh, but in the summer, look out. Wait, either, but you think they're going to be a buyer uh, at the deadline? I mean. Yeah, I think they could be a buyer. I mean, they're built to win now. They have a young defenseman you saw in the All-Star phenomenal. game, Heiskanen, who's yep. just such a good skater. And he's so young and raw that he's yep. going to just keep getting better. And that's something that Dallas Klinberg's still there as well. Klinberg, and yeah, they got those guys too. So I could see them um, being We were buyer. very high on Dallas when they got Bishop. We were. I was, last year, I yeah. had them being one of the top teams in the NHL. Just, you know, sure, they're in a playoff spot right now, but they have not lived up to that. Right. Absolutely not. No. Winnipeg, you know, Nashville up there like they should be. Nashville, I still think, is 
after San, uh, Calgary, the top team in the West. But, you know, a lot to talk about, and we have the rest of the winter to talk and about the Jets it. will, sorry, they'll have uh, Befuglin coming back, and you'll have Ellers coming back. So both could be happening as soon as this weekend. Yeah, but the bottom line is, guys, you have a couple hours to win a couple of things. Mike, tell them about it before we say goodbye. All right, real quick, stay calm. Wait, do that. Saquon Barkley signed jersey. Uh, oh, now I'm you, Rob. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Rubbing signed, off. Side picture. Just share the video on Facebook. Tag three friends, and you're entered into that. Todd Gurley is a retweet on Twitter, uh, the post, and guess the Super Bowl score. You'll be entered to win that. The Barkley one, Rob, we'll pick, uh, we'll pick tomorrow. So we'll let people share the video even tomorrow if they weren't able to catch it live. And then we'll pick that maybe right before the Super Bowl. We'll throw the winner up there. Guys get involved. It's so easy to do. And there's so much to win. Like we said, their value is going to go up. Barkley's going to win rookie of the year tonight. Gurley's going to play in the Super Bowl tomorrow. He has a big game. and He wins an MVP. That value is going up, guys. So enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, Thanks to Mike Boley for joining us. Vinny the Shark for calling in to talk about Kristaps Porzingis. Um, Any final thoughts? Go Patriots. Enjoy the Super Bowl, guys. Tomorrow we'll be back with you Monday night to wrap up the Super Bowl and the NFL season on Over the Top Sports Radio. Good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.